This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. Wonderful. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Welcome. That's Courtney and Ty Caldwell. And they're here today to ask for a million dollars for Shearshare, a mobile app they say will do for salon owners what Airbnb did for homeowners. We're literally transforming an entire industry. I mean, this is a more than 100-year-old industry. Transforming an entire industry is a heavy lift for any entrepreneur. But Ty and Courtney are first-time founders and totally unproven. And this is their first time raising VC. Will this husband and wife team be able to convince investors that they have what it takes to disrupt a century-old industry? I'm Daniel Galati. Daniel is with Comcast Ventures. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is with Structure Capital. I'm Phil Nadell. Phil is with Forefront Venture Partners. And I'm proud to introduce a new voice on the show. I'm Nicole Verkent. Nicole is an angel investor. All right, let's get this pitch started. <laughs> All right, tell us about yourself. Wonderful, you. wonderful. My name is Courtney Caldwell, and together with my co-founder, Ty, we're the creators of a B2B mobile platform called Shearshare. Before Shearshare, Courtney and Ty were co-owners of a salon in Dallas, Texas. It started way back in 2012. Seems like forever ago. And when it came to hiring stylists, they did things the way they'd always been done. The way that stylists find professional space to work has not changed since 1916. You sign a long-term contract, and you're literally renting out of this one particular chair or suite for three, five, even ten years. And that stylist is then paying out a weekly booth rent or a monthly booth rent. So you're literally locked into a contract. For over a century, long-term contracts seemed to make sense to salons and stylists. They gave salons a reliable source of income, and they gave stylists a home base from which to work. But suddenly, that system stopped working. I realized in the course of six to nine months that nobody was trying to sign, sign a long-term lease. But I had interest from a stylist who wanted to rent my space by the day. A stylist renting a chair in a salon for the day was unheard of. But since no one wanted to sign a longer-term lease, Ty had to consider it. So we thought about it. I said, you know what? My station and suite is collecting dust rather than dollars. So I took her out to lunch, asked her a few questions. We both decided to give it a whirl. And lo and behold, we both enjoyed the process. We both enjoyed the experience. Not only did they enjoy the process, but it worked. The stylist was happy because she was able to have some flexibility. And Ty and Courtney were happy because their stations were collecting dollars, not dust. And it got them thinking. Their salon wasn't the only one struggling to sign long-term contracts with stylists. In fact, Courtney says that 40% of salon space in the U.S. goes unused. So they had an idea. What if they created an app that lets stylists find salon space to rent by the day? 
Before they went all in on the idea, they decided to run it by a friend with experience in tech. And so we told her our idea and what we've been going through. And she was like, she paused and then she said, okay, uh, that, that's a billion dollar idea. A few years and plenty of blood, sweat and shears later, their idea is now reality. So they're not, mm-hmm. at first I was a little confused. You're not renting out the whole salon, no, right? No. You're renting out a chair. By the way, I am a slave to my hair. Just As let's start there. And you and, are and, so and, much. You are slaying right now. I am. I'm I am, slaying. I'm slaying right now. I am absolutely. I, I, I'm a total slave. And so, is, you know, and, and Phil is, for his virtual hair, you're, you're a slave to it. But um, I, I do get this. Um, so, mm-hmm. but the salons yeah. are more open now it's crazy. to having a rotation mm-hmm. of stylists yes. Great uh, come in. But what's okay. the value to them, to, to the salons, in mm-hmm. addition to the chairs being filled? Yeah, so the benefit to the salon is that they have an empty space, right? They're already paying overhead for that space. Right. So this excess capacity, they get to monetize that. That person gets to literally come in. They have their own book of business, so they're not taking yeah. clients off the, off the street. They're not taking walk-ins. Mm-hmm. They get there, they do their clients, and then they're done. Just so I'm clear, so the style, they're coming in for like two days a week. Two days a week. Two, three days a week. Absolutely. They're doing, they've got their regular base of clientele. Their own clientele. They need yes. the, you know, the, the accoutrement uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that they can't get home, right? right? They need all the like setup and the- Exactly. The, and, and they don't want to um, pay a long term. They don't want to be locked in. They don't want to- they wanna, don't want to be locked in. No. Mm-hmm. So they, they might work for in. three months and then, you know, do something else for three months and come back on. So mm-hmm. that- or, or they oh, can do well, three days a week. It's a too. consistency. It's a consistency. What are they yeah. doing for the Hot rest? Of, they're not. They're, 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 they're licensed professionals, so they're yeah. constantly doing this. Yeah. It's but not, they're do, if they're part time in the salon, are they part time in another salon? Are they in? Yeah, they, they can be. They can go to lots of They're meeting their clients. They're meeting their clients where they're at. So they may have a pod of clients that are in Berkeley. They may have a pod of clients that are in Palo Alto. Right. Yeah. So they'll put all those clients together in maybe a Thursday and Friday, and say these are the days I'm be in Palo Alto. So far, the investors have been super engaged in this pitch right from the start. They're talking over each other and barely able to get out a question before another investor chimes in with their two cents. And I think this has a lot to do with the fact that Ty and Courtney's business is built on the back of the sharing or gig economy. Over the past several years, we've seen some huge successes in this space. Think Uber and Airbnb. And every investor wants a piece of the next one that hits. But while this share economy trend might mean investors will give a startup like Shearshare a good hard look, it also means they're competing in a pretty crowded space. So I'm an investor in Stylisted. You know, stylists come to your home, to your office, whatever. So how do you view that as in terms of the competitive landscape? Do you see that as being competitive? Uh, I don't see it as being competitive in, in a sense because you're catering to the customer. Most people want to get out, put some clothes on, get out, meet their friends, it's an experience. And, and have the experience of the salon. I don't and, know. I th- I really think it's competitive. I mean, I do too. Pepsi's only competitor isn't Coke. It's also milk and water and other things you might want to drink. So that's like a different way to get your hair cut. Good right? thought. But when you, when you think about the stylists, they want the freedom and flexibility to do whatever they want to do. So whether or not their clientele wants a salon experience or someone wants a quick blow dry, like I would never get my hair done at home. Never. Would never get a service in my home. So people that are using Style B, 
or, or stylist. Stylist. They're, they're st- mm-hmm. if they're yeah, licensed, they oh, still yeah. may want to use this when I actually in addition to because it's complimentary. Yeah, it's complimentary. We actually have stylists who who use us, who do the on demand, and people who work full time. Client wants yes. It's and it depends on how the things they can offer. How the stylist wants to build their book of business because a lot of stylists want to build their clientele in other cities and how how can they do that you know without having a salon home per se and the own data that we have I mean we we didn't even mention that we have data yeah data that no one else has ever had access to like how much is a stylist willing to pay to work by the day where are they going are they staying in their town are they going across um, you know state to state how many clients are they doing so we can ask these questions now did you hear that Courtney said the magic word data if you're playing pitch bingo you can check that box okay but for real data, the growing gig economy, that's all exciting for the future of the company. But what about now? Um, What's your traction? Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your traction. Okay, so uh, we launched the beta app in September 2016. Um, By design, we made sure that we built up the supply side of the marketplace first, um, because having to go out and educate salon owners, as you can imagine, who have been doing the same thing for over 100 years, helping them understand this is a brand new revenue stream for you. So we are now in 380 cities in 11 countries. Uh, we're growing 20% month over month. How many users does that represent? Right. Yeah, so 1,900 uh, monthly active users. Um, we are... Sorry, 1,900, 1900 monthly, monthly active, active users. Right, the salons and the stylists. So we have 700 hosts on the platform. Like 700 salons, okay, yeah, 1,200 yes. stylists? Yes, correct. 700 salons mm-hmm. in 11 countries? Yes, Yes. Isn't that and, few? and eleven countries? That's a, that's a, that's a that's a spread it out. It's all, but the eleven yeah, countries: Russia, Germany, yeah. uh, Barbados. Uh, so one in, in those England. countries, you only have a couple, and then right. you probably it's have a big concentration. One, one, in yeah, some, one in many, yes, like okay. one in okay. Russia, one so in Germany. What, so We're focused your... on the U.S. Seven hundred salons sounds good until you hear that they're scattered across eleven different countries. For a startup like Shearshare to gain serious traction. They need to be a much bigger presence in every market they go into. So of the 700 uh, salons, uh-huh. like kind of like what's your biggest city today? I guess? Dallas, Dallas and okay. New York. Dallas, and how many York salons is that? Um, they're over 2,500 Yeah, in Dallas. so there's a lot more market yeah. saturation oh, yeah. you can have oh, yeah. within we're, Dallas. We're just scratching the surface. What are so you how, doing? like what drove you guys to make the decision to kind of go wide versus deep in one market it seems to me that like this, <laughs> know, is, a two, this is a classic kind of two-sided marketplace business uh, it is it and is and the the textbook says like get density in one city yeah. you know stand know. up the supply side and yeah. then get that network effect Absolutely. going and then Great just like question. replicate in other words the conventional wisdom says that they should try to dominate one market before they move into tons of new territories let's take the company grubhub which also owns seamless as an example They own upwards of 75% of the restaurant delivery business in the U.S. One of the reasons they've been able to be so successful is they started out in one city, in this case, Chicago, and partnered with a ton of restaurants in order to become the go-to delivery service there. To use Daniel's words, they stood up the supply side. Then, and only then, did they expand into a new city. If Shearshare wants to become the go-to for stylists, this piece of the puzzle is mission critical. So why isn't the strategy just buy the supply side in your key markets, like own it, 
and then go to the demand side. That's exactly what we're doing right now. (laughs) You'd have to do that in one city, though, right? Not not 11 countries. We're focusing on Dallas, exactly, because that's where that's well, that's home base for us for one, but also because uh, we've been winning in Dallas. And you guys honestly sound like one of our uh, very last team meetings where we said we have to go deep in uh, our top three cities, but we're going to really focus hard on Dallas. And we're creating a playbook, mind you, that we can just copy and paste for for every other city. So, like, what are you seeing on the on the overall just net revenue to you guys mm-hmm. per salon that you have on the system per some unit of time, let's call it a month? A month, okay. So, with the current host that we have, the average revenue for that particular host per month, it's really about $800 a month, roughly. And that's that gross. That's, that's net to you guys, or is that gross? That's GMV. That, that's the booking, on, yes. And you'll line. take, um, so it's like 200 bucks ish to you guys. Right now. Got it. Yes. Okay. So what's your monthly recurring revenue? Yes. 18700 was last month. Okay. I'm I'm a little worried about your revenues. Okay. Okay. Which you have 18000 yes. right now a month, and yet you have 700 salons, uh-huh. 1200 stylists. With 700 salons at $200 in revenue per salon, Shearshare should be pulling in six figures a month. But in reality, it's less than 20000 it just seems like there are a lot of, you have a lot of uh, salons and a lot of users, I mean, relatively speaking, stylists, and revenues, there's something that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Revenue is very yeah. low compared to, are a lot of the salons inactive? Are a lot of the stylists inactive? Well, you do, yeah, it's just, and to piggyback off that, you kind of do the math, yeah. and you say there are 2,000, not even salons, like total uh, clinics, salons, Didn't you know, me. in Dallas. You're getting 200 bucks per premise, premises per month. Um, You know, what's that? That's like 400K in market size if you get 100% of the market in a pretty big city. I guess to Phil's point, what are we kind of missing there? Because that's a a pretty small market size. No, Um, so. I think think what they're they're asking is, is it's just the consistency of use. So what you're seeing is the use, but the consistency, once the consistency ramps up, those numbers will get. So the bet is we can 10x the revenue per salon per month by increasing utilization. Let me understand that. When you say consistency of use, so specifically are you saying that salons will rent out more chairs no, or they'll get will m- use it much more it, much more yeah. much it faster. sounds to me like you've got salons that for sure say i have some seats open i'd love exactly. to do this and then you have stylists that say i love this is amazing but uh-huh. it's not that often maybe that they have like they have their core clients at their salon and then they have their independent ones and there maybe, maybe. not be that many because the culture hasn't fully shifted yet yeah. is that kind of but you've got to believe accurate. a massive you got to believe a massive culture shift has to, to, to get there right yeah. because for me, culturally i just go to my salon i no, always no. go to a book and but, so for but you what well, you were saying before so you might have like a salon who says i have a seat available and they and they use uh the the app mm-hmm. and they they find a stylist and that person maybe takes the seat for one day, a or, week, yeah, or a month. Just a couple clients. So you may have one person, okay, say they use it one 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 time a month. And so they say, okay, well, you know what? I like what I'm doing. My clientele is getting bigger. I'm going to use it eight times a month, twice a week, and still have a home salon. 
Yeah. So that's the, the, the stylist is making that decision. The stylist, the stylist is making that decision. Yes. Right. So those are the numbers where you, where you may where you may say it's low, but the consistency and the, and the more usage. Use. Yes. Increase My use God, is they have their well. core business, and this is where they get extra revenue. Yes. Right. As yeah. A stylist. And, and, and that that's the case when they're already in their contract. When they get out of their contract, we have people that's out of their contract that are using it because they're not working seven days a week. They're not working. Right. But four days in a week. They're not working but three days in a week. So they're using sheer share because they don't have to worry about the overhead cost anymore now. We, we really believe we're in the front of it. We're in the front of the shift. Ty and Courtney are basically saying, sure, people aren't using our app as much as we'd like yet. But eventually, this will be the only way that stylists work. No more long-term contracts. Just trust us. But why should investors take a gamble on them? And forgive me, I didn't get to give uh, our, our professional yeah, backgrounds. Courtney gestures towards Ty. So 25 years in beauty and barbering, uh, 20 years as an award-winning salon owner, uh, best-selling author on how to achieve long-term success in the beauty and style industry. Book's available on Amazon.com. Um, and he has What's his name of it? Mentored by Failure. Oh, <laughs> he never likes to talk about yeah. himself. That's great why I have to, I have to do the, the ad for him. And, and he's a doctorate. He has his doctorate degree in professional barbering. Wow. So like oh, top wow. of the top of the top of the top. There's a no, doctorate uh, in professional barbering. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you the only one? Uh, no, there's, no, there's, there's only there's a few. Stylists. There's only yeah. a few, and they're very, um, they're very high in the industry. Celebrities mm-hmm. travel. They. Where did you? Um, Miracle University. Miracle uh-huh. University in Virginia. In Martinsville. Wow. Martinsville, Virginia. So my background is 20 years in tech marketing, B2B technology marketing. Oh. So I used to run Oracle's digital strategy and innovations group worldwide, had PNL across five continents. We're, we're the right team to fit this, figure out this problem, and we're doing it every day. Every day we get phone calls going to cry. Every day we don't get phone calls cry. from people <laughs> saying that. Um, so I don't know if it's okay for me to like jump cry? to no, not cry. Just jump in here. Nicole is ready to give her decision. I just want to say you guys fit my investment thesis perfectly. So I'm not a full time investor. I'm actually an operator. I'm an entrepreneur. I've done two startups. My my current startup is actually very similar to your business. So I, I love what you guys are doing. I think Thank it's you. amazing and it really fits exactly um, um, and I love you guys. So I would come in on these terms. Uh, it would be a smaller amount. It would be 25K. But for me, I would want to figure out how I can help you guys. So uh, maybe you can tell me that. But that's the one piece that we would have to talk about and figure out how I can actually add value. Because I... You know, I wouldn't I don't I can't just throw money into something. I'd have to figure out how to actually add value there, Thank too. Thank you. Nicole is in with a twenty five thousand dollar personal investment. Daniel is up next. I think you guys are awesome. And I think um, you're really building a business that like touches people's livelihoods. Literally. Right. Like on the salon side and on the on the stylist side. I think that um, the excess capacity problem is a big problem on the salon side and I think you've articulated it really well where I ultimately um so I'm a venture guy so I'm so coming from the opposite um end of the food chain to um to to some of these guys and really the test for me is can it you know market size is obviously a huge a huge driver and for me where I ultimately kind of got tripped up was this um, just kind of doing the math around like the number of salons and revenue per salon and how do we get to to be a really big um, two-sided marketplace versus um, kind of a smaller, more niche two-sided marketplace. And so um, purely from that perspective, I'm going to sit this one out and pass. Mm-hmm. But I um, you have a lot of respect for what you guys are doing, have a lot of respect for your guys' backgrounds and, and 
how far you've taken this and Thank you. kind of think you can take it 10 times further than what you already have. Daniel, he's out. Phil is up next. So you know what I love about this is is you guys. Mm-hmm. You, yes. I mean, you are the embodiment of this business, right? You, you, you found a problem because you were living the problem mm-hmm. and you identified it that way and now you figured out a solution. You're addressing the problem uh, and that's those are the best businesses, people who've lived the problem and then solved the problem. And so I think that's great. Um, like Daniel, I'm struggling with with market size, and uh, and I see this as um, a way for for stylists or salons to generate ancillary revenue. And I don't know that the behavioral change that's required uh, is there yet. Uh, and and the other reason that I I'm struggling is, as I mentioned, I, I know what you said about the service being complementary to companies like Stylisted, which is one of my portfolio companies. I just worry about a little bit of a conflict, which I try to avoid at all costs in my portfolio. So I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm, a wor- I'm worried about some overlap in, in, uh, in focus there as well. So uh, for those reasons, I'm going to pass. Okay, thank you. Phil is out. Jillian is the last investor left. Jillian wants in. Come on in, Jillian. Hi, you don't know what Jillian wants. <laughs> Why don't you tell us? Jillian loves her. Yes. So there, there are like five things that are really, really important. One is that you meet our thesis, which is spot on. Two is that you meet our mission, our personal purpose and mission, which is spot on. Three is is that you um you live this, you breathe it. And as you said, right, that you are a personification of this business. You are an extension. It starts with you. It ends with you. You're a full loop. I love this for so many reasons. I do think your revenue model, it takes a while to figure out the pricing models. I get it. And that's something we definitely would have to massage. Um, I'm going to come in personally at 100000 um, but what I also am going to do is I'm going to bring this to structure capital because this is so much. Okay, I don't know how that hundred is going to work out, and it might end up to be two fifty or it might end up to be more. But the fact is, is that I think you're just the people we need to get behind, and I totally see this us being disrupted. And don't cry. I make people cry. What's wrong with me? I make everyone cry. You made Doctor Ty cry. You have a one hundred percent ratio. I am so today. sorry. And by well, the way, well, I mean I'll say this. I mean the reason that I cry. It's because <laughs> I'm the seventh of eight kids, and my mom has always believed in me. So when she let me move to Dallas at 15 on my own to live with my sister, she always told me, she said, I've always believed in you. And now my mom can't really share in that with me because she has dementia. So the things that I'm living, I'm living for her. And then you lose a lot of friends when you're a startup, and when people don't understand you, you just kind of have to kind of keep moving and and we don't we're outliers and so when people don't understand you it doesn't really bother us because we deal with the emotions of it of losing friends but at the end of the day we know that god has something better for us and so to be a, a woman black founder and a, and a male black founder in in such a intense um uh i say founder of of anglos um it, it's, it means a lot to us to be those role models and so it, these tears are, are just, you know, an uh, amazement that other people can believe in what we're doing because we had to believe it first. So we thank you, you know, well, for yeah. the ones who are not investing and yes, because, you know, we believe the, the feedback is valuable. Well, guess what? I think we all believe in you. 
I think Thank we you. all believe Thank in you. you. And and also, you're not just role models for people of color. You're actually role models for all of us. We believe it. So we believe you. it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. At the end of the day, if our... Excuse me. I mean, everyone knows the golden rule, right? But our silver rule, whether it's home or in the business, is you got to leave people, places, and things better off than when you found them. Amen yeah. on that. Yes. Yeah. All right. You Thank guys you. did a great you presentation. You did a fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. I think we should bring tissues. Oh, this is... Nice meeting you, Dr. Ty. You're going to do this. Oh, I know we are. You're going to do this. Courtney and Ty just reeled in approximately $125,000 in commitments from Nicole and Jillian. They walk out of the room, leaving our investors to dry their eyes. Oh my God, I love them. This has been I an emotional. Have, yeah, just, I, I never cry. I'm yeah, like a I was, steel. Like I, I never I cry. Was well, I, I was running crying. up and she started crying. Then he started crying. Oh, me and myself. You know, Ugh. one of the sponsors for the show should be Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think they are necessarily VC ready. I think the two of you are are right in that. Yes. But they're right because they haven't figured out. I don't think no, they figured out I the revenue piece yet. Really. And it's For early. Seed. I just love the way they built it. It yes. reminds me of me. I yes. see myself in totally. them six, seven Completely. years ago building my company. By the way, their product is and their product is really good. Yeah. I mean it it's is beautiful. really oh, as the you app said. Great. App look great, easy use, really, really as you said, intuitive. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I think marketplace building is kind of like an art Mm -hmm. like you know there are playbooks that you can like look to and i think my biggest thing for them is they just could use a little bit of more i guess intentionality on like building the two-sided marketplace they're just responding to customers so much yeah the thing i love about them is they're responding to customers and the thing that's bad about them is that they're like I want this app in this city. And they go, Whoop. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. almost like you need to pull up and be more strategic. Right. They have to be, right. they have to be very laser focused yeah. right now. But I have to say that we have so many marketplaces in our portfolio yeah. that- I'd intro them to like five CEOs. That's what your, I'm going to do. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. I actually wrote down yeah. who I'm going to turn them yeah. on to. There are two in particular. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just- um, in a way, this is what we why we do what we do, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, that's I do why it for I love the free the pitch. bananas. Okay, go get your banana. All right, another <laughs> banana for Phil. Here we go. Another banana. You, you want your banana. bananas? Phil heads off in search of his free banana as I nail this tease to an ad break. When we come back, things get shaky with the investment. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, 
you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Okay, before I tell you what happened next, I need to set the scene. The pitch you just heard happened on the first of our three-day pitch event in San Francisco. Everyone left that first day in high spirits. But the next morning, Jillian came in and dropped a bombshell on me. She couldn't invest personally in Shearshare because of another personal investment she made in a potential competitor, a company called Stylebee. It looked like the whole deal was off. And once Jillian said she was probably out, Nicole started having second thoughts too. I can't even express how disappointed I was. But there was one hope left. Even though Jillian couldn't invest personally, that didn't mean her fund couldn't invest. Remember, Jillian mentioned she was going to take the deal to her partners at Structure Capital. Generally speaking, these deals are a lot harder to close than angel investments. The due diligence process is more rigorous, and there are just more people that have to say yes. When we left California, everything was still up in the air. Fast forward two weeks, Jillian says she's talked to her partners, and they have some serious questions they want Jillian to ask Ty and Courtney. They all hopped on a call together, and we recorded it. On a safe. Okay. Here's Jillian getting right to business. All right, so we so here's the here's one of the big questions. If we've seen a married couples, but as you know, they, it creates tremendous amount of stress, and we've seen companies blow up because of founders not being able to work out their differences. With a married couple, there's another layer to this. Um, and this is something that we do have uh, some concerns about. And yet, uh, you know, we, there's, there, there's an issue that we've discussed that we know will create some problems um, if we broach this topic, but we have to broach this topic. And it's, it's why, Courtney, why you're not the CEO, why Ty is the CEO. Yeah, no, no, great question. Uh, you know, the the visionary, you know, the person with the subject matter expertise, you know, in beauty and barbering and salon ownership and team management in this particular field um, is Thai. Uh, it was you know, the the impetus behind Shearshare was was Ty's vision all along. Um, I am definitely, he would say, uh, the the best executor that there is uh, operations wise. And he is the one who uh, sees the forest for the trees. And okay, what does so, that mean? So wait, 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 yeah. wait, Courtney. I mm-hmm. want Ty to answer this. Oh, sure. Well, okay. and, 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 and Courtney led, led well. You know, when we first started this out, you know, I've always been a, a leader in my own right. You know, kind of what you call an owner, CEO of my own company. So I've always been a visionary to the things that I wanted to see uh, forthcoming. And when we talked about this, I've always told my wife, I was like, you know, if I ever, if we ever did business together, I would love for you to be, you know, right alongside me because I like the way you execute. Uh, she's always said that she was a great number two. And I said, well, you know, being a great number two is always a great number one B, you know, as well. <laughs> so never, never count yourself out of uh, one. And um, so I didn't choose her as a business partner. The business partner came in, 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 in because God came in between our relationship and that's what he wanted us to do. I'm just glad that he chose her for me as a wife first and a business part, partner second. And that's just how we, we work it. So we never really sat back and thought about me being a CEO or her being a COO or anything else. So what happens when um, you have a disagreement 
the two of us or yeah yeah about the product have you had that before and how have you yeah have you remedied that so that's the beauty of having a relationship not only as co-founders but as married couple because you get a chance to work them out it can get tough some days but we know going in before we even started share share that we were each other's um best ally ally, and we were each other's keeper at the same time Mm -hmm. And, and right. I'll never forget when we first started, you know, share share and we started doing the calls and calling up salons, getting them on board. Courtney came from Oracle, the corporate world. And, and Courtney, I said, Courtney, you know, we're going to call these people. And, and, and I think I had stepped out and I was in a meeting call. And so she had started calling without me. And she said, babe, you know, uh, everybody's hung up on me. I said, well, what are you saying? <laughs> and and she was using corporate terminology and, and stuff like that. I said, hey, talk to these people like the regular people that are going to work every day. They're, blue. they're, 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 just, they're just hardworking people that have a craft and a skill and an artistry to what they do talk to them like normal and I guarantee you everything would change she did that and she became a guru in talking to the stylist that was one of the things that we learned early on how we could you know help help each other <laughs> definite <good>. refinement <laughs> great okay okay good okay I like what I'm hearing I um I'll be honest with you mm-hmm. I do always think that in our community um our and it's a tech-centric community, mm-hmm. and I would prefer, Courtney, if you were had the title of CEO, um, because I think that represents the, the high-tech piece, and because of your background with Oracle and your ability to understand and be able to communicate the, the technical pieces of the product, um, I think that I would like you guys to reconsider that and to talk about it. That said, okay, mm-hmm. For me, it's a it's a not a, I, as you can see. I'm not pushing that. I'm not saying I need you to do this or else. Okay, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to be understand. part no, we, we of this. That. All right? right, that's that's really good. That's really good feedback about the optics. That that's okay. something that we will weigh. We we really appreciate okay. that. Yeah, we that, appreciate that, that a lot. I just think this has to be a conversation that you have um, when we hang up. That said. Um, we'd like to put 250000 into your company. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You took us through all that, Jillian. For- <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah. You want to know something, wow. Courtney? Wow. I didn't know if I was going to put 250000 into the company. Okay? I respect we that. We had had an investment uh, partner meeting. We talked a lot about what the issues were, what the challenges, um, what... You know, definitely there were some. And I said to the team, um, we said, if we feel comfortable and confident that they'll be able to navigate and speak openly and respectfully about um, our concerns, then um, then this is what we would we would risk. And, you know, with every company, it's always a risk. So but um, there are a tremendous amount of rewards here. Um, I think you're a stunning team. Thank you. Um, and, um, and I love um, your spirituality, too, to tell you the truth. I think that you're grounded in tremendous values. And as you guys know, I always say, uh, we really invest into values, not just valuations. And that's, imp- that's truly that's important. I think you're going to build a culture of values, um, which is important to our own structure community. So um, with that... Uh, congratulations! You wow. jumped through wow. all wow. the oh hurdles, goodness. and um, wow! Yes, Julie, I, I, I have. I, it's very rare that I, I have. 
I have little words or no words, but you you have no really you have you have stunted me right now. Um, I, I wish I was in front of you so I could give you a big hug because that would oh, hopefully that well, would communicate gonna, what I'm feeling. We'll do a virtual big hug. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'll take it. But with this 250 comes uh you know a burden of proof. Of course. Um, Right, a lot of hard work. That's ahead not the of scary you. part. That is not the yeah. scary part for us. Okay. That, that's the easy part. Yeah. If, you, okay. if you bet on and us, you... we have no problem with that. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's, let's get, get rocking. Thanks, right. Jillian. 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 Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. Jillian hangs up, but the tape keeps rolling. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Did you I know? didn't know what. I didn't know what to think. What path I, we're going down? I, I was like. <laughs> I, I I I couldn't sleep last night. <laughs> Oh my God! I couldn't sleep for a lot of reasons. I said, I know they're going to have concerns. I knew that being a married couple is going to be a concern. To have a, a, a venture company like Structure, that that's their thesis is to invest in marketplaces. In zero that's, waste economy. That, that's, 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 that's a whole another. That's a whole another level. This. So it was. It was. It was really God seeing. Well, Jillian's going to become my new BFF. I'm going to make her my new best friend. <laughs> She's going to be like my uh, my second mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. This is just the beginning. Only the beginning. Yeah. So let's go have a glass of wine and celebrate and have a have a conversation. Yeah, big conversation and just and just enjoy it. All right. Enjoy the moment. All right. Love you. All right. Ty and Courtney had plenty to talk about and plenty to celebrate. And then, a couple of days later, they got even more good news. Nicole's $25,000 angel investment had also come through. And then, Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures, another investor who's been on the show, decided to join the round, coming in for another 250K. Altogether, Shearshare received over a half a million dollars in funding. And then, right before this episode aired, they appeared at Google's Demo Day and won. They received another $250,000 from J.D. Vance, one of the judges, and ended up oversubscribing their $1 million seed round. Not too shabby for a couple of first-time founders in their first-ever round of fundraising. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We're edited by Devin Taylor. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the recording of this pitch. We found out about Shearshare because of an introduction from Christy Pitts and the team at Backstage Capital. Founders who are raising money can apply to pitch by going to thepitch.show slash apply. And as a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. 
It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.